when do you guys remember the last time that you made an important announcement to the people in your life, the friends or family or coworkers, um, or maybe almost every Sunday to the church congregation? Oh, that's just me. That's just me. Um, guys, I get really nervous. Wayne does such a good job. Anyways, big announcements. Uh, they're a part of our life. We want to share information, and sometimes it's so important that we want to share in a special way. Um, the one that most recent one for me was when we had Kinsley. Uh, that was a big announcement right before that, uh, the fact that we were even having a child, which was amazing. And when we got into that world of announcing babies, uh, I found out that it's a world of its own. It takes on, it's very creative, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, especially with social media. I can't even keep up, but I see from Becky some of the new things that are out there, uh, how wives are telling their husbands that they're pregnant and some of the theatrics and exciting ways that they do that. Um, or even gender reveals. Those are a big announcement these days on social media. I don't know if you've seen these with like balloons and they pop and there's like a blue powder or like a pink powder or slicing into a cake and there's a different icing. Um, I just saw this. Maybe you guys are already aware. I promise this is real. But there's a gender revealing magician that you can hire to come to your gender revealing party and magically reveal the gender of your baby. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. Um, but announcements are funny like that. It's about communicating some important information, but the other part is how you communicate it. And how you communicate it is equally important as the information itself. Um, the announcements convey important information. They get people's attention. They are captivating, and they inform people's actions. Do they celebrate? Do they mourn? Do they, uh, do they cheer? Do they know where the nearest exit is? You get what I'm saying? Announcements and not only tell information, but then inform people what to do. And so this week's passage is, shows us something similar. The announcement that the king is coming uh, is said to Joseph in a way that definitely shows just how important this information is. So uh, let's turn, turn with me to Matthew 1. Um, It'll be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible on the seat in front of you, hopefully. Uh, Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. And I'll go ahead and read, and you guys can follow along. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come before you today, Lord, with, with humility and uh, just a joy that we can be here together worshiping you. And as we dive deeper into your word about the story of your son Jesus and um, just your, how your sovereignty is all over this and the plan that you had, Lord. Um, I pray that we would hear and be encouraged. I pray that we would be empowered to be more like you. 
And God, I just pray that through all of this, you would be glorified. Give me the words to say. Um, we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, Matthew has just uh, laid out to us this amazing genealogy just before our passage, which Wayne discussed last week. And it harkens back to all the stories uh, and all the heritage and all the redemptive work that God has done all along the way through the Old Testament. And not only does it remind us of what he's done, but it brings us, it catches us up to speed with where Jesus enters this story. And Matthew shares it uh, from Joseph's perspective. This man, who can be traced back to David and even to Abraham, finds himself in a predicament. Uh, the woman that he's supposed to marry, that he's engaged to, is pregnant and not with, uh, not by him. And so Joseph is struggling with what to do. He's in a place of stress. He's unsettled. Uh, he lacks peace and, because this isn't the way that it was supposed to happen. He's faced with this, this decision that will affect the rest of his life. And I, I feel like we've all been there before, right? Making decisions that will affect the rest of our lives. And they're difficult and they're hard and they take time. They're not just small decisions, but life-changing decisions. We, um, we want to make a decision about how we're supposed to proceed, but we're weighing all the options, um, trying to take into account our lives, the uh, lives of others, how it will affect them. Maybe you're thinking of what's the right way to do, thing, do things. Maybe there's protocol that you have to follow. This is where I think Joseph's at. He's mulling all this over, trying to decide what should he do. He wants to do the best thing. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to honor Mary, but he wants to do what's right for himself. And it seems like the answer that's coming to mind, the right thing to do is just to quietly divorce her. No one will look poorly on him. He'll be fine. Uh, but it just seems like that's the answer. But he's, he's still, he's just unsettled. And maybe you've been there too, where after a long time of thinking, you're still unsure of what to do. You think you've come to the right solution, but you don't have peace. I can relate to this uh, even just recently. Becky and I were blessed enough to buy a car recently, and that's a big purchase, and we thought we had done the research and uh, saw the car, liked the car, uh, but then you get there and you have to like sign a check and hand over a lot of money, and I just didn't have peace about it. And so went home and prayed about it again with Becky, and then the next day uh, ended up buying that car. But it was... Uh, after all that thought, still was not sure, still did not have peace. I thought I was making the right decision. Came to a good conclusion, um, but we just wasn't able to act on it. And I think Joseph is in a similar place. And so we see in our passage that God meets Joseph where he's at. He sends an angel to Joseph to, to comfort him, to, uh, uh, to give him guidance and direction and show compassion with the situation that Joseph is, in, Joseph, uh, is in. And we see that God is the first mover. He initiates this comfort uh, and this interaction. He meets Joseph. And he says to Joseph through the angel, God's words are, Joseph, I don't want you to be afraid anymore. All the stress and pressure that you're feeling over this situation with Mary, maybe from other people or maybe the pressure that you're feeling with, from yourself, I don't want you to fear that anymore. I don't want you to feel that pressure. Because this thing that's happening with Mary... This is a God thing. This is a very special God thing. That child that's within her, uh, that's, that was put there by the Holy Spirit. And this child uh, is special not just to you and your future family, but special to, um, and not just special to uh, your neighborhood or your city, and not just special even to uh, 
your nation, your people, but this child is completely, um, is, is so special because it's the child that uh, is for the entire world. This child is the king. This child is the child that fulfills the prophecy that you are so aware of, Joseph, that you know the one that you've been waiting for. This is the child. This is uh, the savior, the one who will save. And so, Joseph, I need you to be there with Mary. God just says, I need you to stay with Mary. Through the angel, God is bringing words of truth and peace and instruction. And how does Joseph respond? Well, he wakes up from this dream and he does exactly what the Lord tells him. He obeys the word of the Lord because now he has peace. Now he's settled. God has addressed the chaos in his heart. And he honors Mary and he honors God and he acts faithfully according to God's promise. I mean, what a dream, right? I wish I had that dream the other week when I bought this car. That was just so clear. (laughs) If only this happened every time we had to make a big decision in our lives where God would just come to us in a dream or send an angel and just say, I do want you to do this. I do want you to take that job. You should buy that car. You should go to the Niners home game. (laughs) Maybe this is the year. Uh, I'm so excited. Okay. (laughs) This dream, this is a dream where Joseph knows without a doubt that it was the angel of the Lord. God's words being spoken to him, this was real. He was sure, and and that's just incredible. It not only changed his life, but it, it changed the world. All that had been weighing on his mind, every reason why he should divorce Mary no longer, no longer held any weight according to God's word, the instruction that he now received from the Lord. And so this passage that's about Joseph and through the, um, the lens of Joseph is important and so helpful to look at. And the rest of this morning, I want to shift and focus our time on, uh, on Christ, Our series is entitled, uh, The King Has Come. And this passage, verses 18 through 23, uh, shares some important truths about that king, about Christ. And so there's four in particular that I want to draw from and share with you today. The announcement of this king shows us that, one, firstly, the king is born. This is the, the incarnation this is the act of God taking, uh, this is the act of God the Son taking on human nature. God coming down from heaven and not uh, descending to earth and not just coming down to heaven, not just floating down and appearing on heaven, but no, this is God the Son entering humanity, inserting himself into human life, entering the human story as a baby. The incarnation is God becoming man. And it's a wonderful mystery. We just sung about it this morning. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the king. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. I love that line. It gets me every time um, because it's, uh, we don't fully understand it, yet we know it's true. Jesus is born of Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He is human, and yet he is divine. This king is born a baby. God could have done it in ways unimaginable, uh, he's, but he, had, he sent his son. He made that decision to, uh, to send his son to take on flesh, to be born, to be human, to be a part of the creation that he created. And this is so far below Christ. Uh, it's not to the standards of his deity, but he does it anyway. This is about God lowering himself, submitting himself, humbling himself to the will of God and to the laws and boundaries and limits of humanity for his creation, for us to be with his people. 
And this is so important to our Christian faith because this means that we believe that God himself came to this earth. God himself came to live the perfect life, die on the cross and ascend again to be with the Father in heaven. Jesus does this because no human could. No human can be perfect. Uh, No human could be the atonement of sin. No one could be the perfect lamb because inherently all humanity is stained with sin. But not Jesus. Not God incarnate. He is what was necessary, what came to fulfill the covenants of Abraham and David. Jesus was the only answer. And so without Christ, we don't have our Christian faith. And this first point, the king is born, is so important. It shows that Jesus is both born of a virgin and yet divine. He is God from on high, but also from the line of Abraham, Israel, and King David. He's a part of this genealogy and at the same time from heaven. And that's amazing. Secondly, we have that the king is born unique. Uh, What I mean by this is that his birth is unlike any other, not only in the way that Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit, but that this baby is born for the most special purpose. Obviously, I think that God has purposed amazing things for all children, uh, but no one like Jesus. Christ is unlike any other. No one else was born for this purpose, and that purpose is found in verse 21, and it's to save Jesus came to save. God loves us and wants to save us, and so he sent his son. Save us from what? Uh, To save us from our sins. Just think of that genealogy last week and all the people, all the broken people and all their brokenness and messiness. You see, God saw people struggling. He saw the lost and the broken, the crying, those people who are deep in their sorrows, deep in their sin. And he saw that they were helpless And he wanted to love them. He wanted to rescue them. He wanted to to save them from those moments. But not just uh, those people, but it's true of us today. God sees us now when we are broken, when we are crying, when we are desperate and in need of saving. He's there to love us. And more than just save us from those moments, he doesn't just want to save us from those moments. He wants to give us life. He doesn't just address those difficult moments. He wants to address our eternity. And so we see that uh, through the, by the king coming to us, he brings the greatest gift ever, which is the forgiveness of all our sin and the gift of eternal life. This king is born with the most unique purpose that no one ever has been or will be born with, and that is to save, to save the world. Thirdly, the king is a fulfillment of prophecy. He is the savior, the one that the nation of Israel has been waiting for. Uh, Jesus is the one that will fulfill the ancient promises that were made to address the problem of sin. Going back to Genesis 3 in the garden with Adam and Eve, to uh, Abraham in Genesis 15 and 17, and then to 2 Samuel 7 with David. All these promises and covenants that God made with his people, this is the fulfillment of those covenants. This is the Jesus who is the king that they've been waiting for, and he's finally here. And at this point in verse 23, Matthew quotes Isaiah um, because at this announcement, the the prophecy is fulfilled. And this shows us that God's word holds true forever. Throughout all of time, in his perfect timing, God's promises are true. It shows us that this wasn't the backup plan, that God's sending his son wasn't because everything else that God wanted to happen failed. 
No, this is what God intended the entire time. His purpose is sure and forever, and he came to save us. He reaches out. God's words, his promises do not waver. He will fulfill them in his perfect timing, and we can know that without a doubt. The verses, as I was studying this week, that came to mind were Lamentations 3, um, when it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Just speaking to the fact that God is truly faithful forever. And then Luke 137 um, from the NLT, for the word of God will never fail. And Israel knew this, and they were waiting. I thought about why hadn't they given up hope yet? Why hadn't they, after all that they have been through, all the generations and generations of captivity and persecution, why hadn't they given up yet? I think it's because they knew their God, Yahweh. This is the God whose words are true, whose words never fail, who is so faithful. And so now this word of the Lord is telling Joseph, the king has come. This child, this baby, this is the king. Fulfilling the prophecy, Emmanuel. Which leads us to our fourth point. The king is God with us. The birth of Christ brought God to humanity. He is God. This, this baby is God. And for the first time since the garden, God will walk intimately with his people. The king is God with us. There was a great separation that sin caused between humanity and God. And even though we were the offender, even though we were the one that caused the problems, God moves towards us. Whatever is keeping us at a distance, God overcomes that. He doesn't let that stand in his way because he wants us in his presence, the presence of the king. And just like the angel to Joseph, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God makes the first move. God comes to us. Jesus came to us. He is the first mover. He comes to us to reach us where we're at in our sin, in our need for a savior. Because Jesus was born, we get to experience his presence in our lives. And this whole situation makes me think of Christ, our king, as the great initiator do you get what I mean by that? The, uh, have you ever been in a relationship uh, with someone, a situation that went south, that you guys hit a rocky patch, and uh, there's now distance between you and that other person, friend, family member, whoever. There's distance. Whenever that offense happens, uh, there's now just uh, a metaphorical distance between you and that person. And whether you put that distance there or it's just the circumstances that created that distance, but sometimes you can find yourself uh, on the defensive or, or your walls are up and you're just unable to, you're so deep in where you're at and the, what you're feeling that you're unable, um, you can't be the one that moves towards them. I don't know if you've been there before. You can't move towards that other person to initiate that restoration in the friendship or relationship that has to happen. And what's great is that Christ our King initiates that. He moves to us. Nothing is too big, no distance is too great, no walls are too high or too thick that he can't break down and just come right up to us in our brokenness and our hurt and our pain and our sin and our sorrow and love us and comfort us and restore us. That's what the presence of God does. It initiates the restoration of things to the way that they should be, to the way that God intended them. God is 
is with us. And he initiates this. The king comes to us. And that's amazing. I, again, you've been there, right? This distance that brokenness can create and relationships can be overwhelming. Uh, maybe it's whatever that situation is in your mind, a friend or, or maybe a spouse, and you've gotten into an argument, and that distance from the bedroom where you're at to the living room where they're at is only a matter of feet, but it's so overwhelming and so daunting to be able to walk those steps and address the issue. Or maybe it's actually a physical distance between two people that puts them at a disadvantage to restore the relationship. Maybe they live across the country or whatever it is, and uh, it's just harder to restore things because there's something about that person's physical presence being with you that helps restore things back to the way that they were. And that's what's amazing about Christ is that he, the king, comes to us. And we don't fully, I don't fully understand this. Words... I couldn't find the words to describe this this week. And I can only understand it from my finite human perspective. Uh, And I'm I'm excited to get to heaven one day and ask God how this actually worked. But God, the creator, the son, the sustainer of creation, covered the greatest distance to come to us. And that was from deity to humanity. From the throne to a manger. And I thank God that he did. The other point here is that we need Jesus to restore us. Because on our own, uh, left to our own efforts, we can't. We can try really hard. Some of us have tried really hard to fix ourselves, to restore ourselves to the way that God wanted us to be. But we can't and never will be able to fix our problem of sin. We're still, at the end of the day, we're still in need of restoration. And so we needed God to come to us, and he, and he did, and he does, and in his presence, our lives uh, bring that restoration. It brings peace, and it brings hope to us. The king is God with us. And for those of you who know God, and a pers- you have a personal relationship with him, you know that the relationship with God is no longer just a vertical relationship. Now it's on a personal level. What had been reserved for the, uh, the most elite in the Old Testament, people like Adam and Eve and Jacob and Abraham and Moses, is now available to us. And now that we get to experience God uh, by our side. And so there's a horizontal aspect to this relationship with Christ. And this is the part that boggles my mind and makes me so excited. I don't understand it fully, but I've experienced it. I think some of you have too, that God is with me. When life is at its hardest, when there's nowhere else to go, when your head is in your hands and you're just crying out, God, how did I get here? Where do I go from here? How do I move forward? What do you have for me? I know that God is looking down on me, pouring love down onto me, but I've also felt Jesus right next to me. I've experienced Jesus silence the noise around me that overwhelms. I've experienced Jesus lighten my heart and give me peace and open my eyes and give me the ability to lift my head and keep moving forward. I've experienced Jesus right there with me, helping me to love people who have hurt me, or right there with me to go seek forgiveness for people that I have hurt. I know that Jesus is right there with me, walking with me, sitting next to me, And if you know Jesus and you have that personal relationship with him, then you've probably experienced something like that too. 
And that, when I read Emmanuel, that is God with us. The king with me. He was Emmanuel with Joseph in this dream through the angel, being with him. And he was with his people, Emmanuel in the Bible, when he walked the earth for 33 years. And he's Emmanuel with us today. The king is born. The king is born unique. The king fulfills prophecy. And the king is God with us. At the end of our passage, we saw Joseph respond to the word of the Lord uh, in obedience, walking faithfully according to the will of God. He stays with Mary. He honors her. He honors God. Jesus is born. He doesn't, he's not with Mary until after Jesus is born. So, so, so Joseph responded in faith. So I ask of us today, what's our response? How will we respond to the truth of Christ today, this Christmas season? If you are seeking peace and wholeness and restoration, true life, if you're looking for answers, then hear this announcement. The King has come. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, born of the Virgin Mary, by God's sovereignty and power, incarnate, our Savior, he reigns, even now and forevermore. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas. Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you, for, thank you for sending your son. And thank you for the story that we get to read in your word about the work that you are doing, the fact that you love us, that you reach out to us. And God, I pray for those of us in this room who need to feel your presence. I pray that you would make us more aware, that you would open our eyes to your presence, God. Emmanuel, you are with us. God, I pray that we would have a reverence, a growing reverence for you, the fact that you are king. You are the one that they waited for for so long. And I pray that we wouldn't, we would just appreciate more and more the fact that you, the king, are walking with us every day. God, I pray that you uh, you would bring us joy, you would bring us hope and peace in whatever situations that we are in, and that we can respond in faith. Help us to respond in faith, Lord. We want to give you all the joy, all the glory that we have. In your name we pray. Amen.